And I did forget, I brought my phone up here just because I had gotten this text. Um, also lift up Jill as she is in Omaha getting fluids today, having nausea and is exhausted, but otherwise she is doing good. So just kind of an update from her. All right, transitioning again. It is good to see so many people here this morning, to see all your smiling faces. How'd your week go? You know, did you have time to contemplate what we talked about last week in terms of prayer as a necessity? Did you find some time to look for those opportunities to share the gospel message? Did, did you have a little bit more time to examine or look at the emphasis of where you can clearly share the word of God in your weekly life? If so, I'd love to hear about it. You know, hit me up at the back door and, and tell me all about those types of things because it's encouraging as iron sharpens iron to build each other up and to be praying for people. You know, hopefully um, as you come to me to, to share those stories. Maybe you have some that you're praying about that you would love to share with a coworker or with a family member. I can pray with you at those times. You know, I'm oftentimes can be used as a resource, whether it's going through different times of study or prayer opportunities, uh, as you have questions or looking for different ways to to introduce Christ in diff different situations, or if you need resources or books to read, I can at least help in those types of areas or at least refer you to people that can help you. So it's always good to see how God is working in each other's lives. You know, and as we fellowship before and after the service, you see a lot of those types of interactions taking place um, to where, you know, on a good Sunday, I might be gone by one, being a communion Sunday, it's probably gonna be closer to 1.30 today. But it's awesome to see because you see people fellowshipping, you see people living life together and, and conversing with one another and helping to invest in each other's lives. You know, it's always fun to see how God is working all over the place because he is a mighty God. And many times we can just limit God to just Minden, Iowa, and we could just think about him here. We can get in that little isolationist type of mentality. But he is so much bigger than we make him out to be. I mean, that's what I love about, you know, going to district conferences or general councils because you get to see and hear stories from our missionaries. You get to hear and see stories from churches in our region where God is moving in mighty ways. And, you know, there's been times in the past where, you know, for youth group, for instance, kids would ask questions or they'll come up to me kind of sheepishly like, hey, Kurt, um, I've got a friend that goes to this youth group. Uh, could I maybe go there? Or they got this event that they're doing. Is it okay if I go do that? You know, they're asking for permission. And it's just, it, it's kind of comical to me, but I always say, of course. Absolutely, you can go wherever the Lord is leading you. Just I'm hoping that you know they're teaching the word and that they're helping you to, to grow in your faith with Christ. And if it's to a conference, you know, I might give them some feedback on some of the speakers or tell them like, okay, well, this is, you're gonna see some of these differences in this type of a church. So you just have to be ready for that. But I'm so happy that you're wanting to boost the faith of your friends by helping them and, and go with them. 
you know, that happened this summer where I had two kids from the youth group come up to me and it was a hard conversation because it was a hard battle in their minds. But I had two girls that had prayed about it all summer and they wanted to go to their home church's youth group because they saw some girls that were coming up that they wanted to mentor. And they were like, well, we meet on the same night, so what are your thoughts? I'm like, go, be a blessing to these girls. Are we gonna miss you? Absolutely. But at the same time, you're following what the Lord has for you. You know, I never wanna be the type of pastor that's like, nope, these are mine, you can't have them. You know, I understand that as a pastor, you shepherd for a season. I'm in a church for a season and the Lord uses all of us to be drawn closer to him to help equip one another. It's always wonderful to see how, the God, how God can, can move people in different ways. You know, and as we build up with people, you know, sometimes as they move on, they get to go plant seeds, they go get to share the gospel in this area over here. And you know, in being in rural Iowa, you know, even though we are saturated with churches in some of the cities around here, you know different churches, you know where people are kind of going to church here and there, um, and, you ha- and you make connections. You know, I know that some of you guys have come from City Light in the past. Some of the people that used to come here go to City Light there. And I have a wonderful relationship with both Doug and Eric there, great men of God. And we'll get together every now and then, and we'll just kind of check. Like, hey, is, is this person landed with you guys? Yeah, okay, good. And it's done from a heart of shepherding of making sure that people are covered and people aren't falling through the cracks. But we realize that we're on this bigger team to advance the kingdom of God forward. Understanding that it's not just about our little section of the, of the county right here. Understanding that as we're on this bigger team, God can use all of us in great ways. You know, and, and it's interesting. As, as we do these things out of a shepherd's heart, we've learned to trust one another Understanding that you know, we're on the same mission, but we might have different styles. We might have different ways to go about doing that and see it coming to, to fruition. Different ways to achieve that goals. But again, it's cool to see how God can move through each one of us, whether that's globally, regionally, or, or locally, to advance the kingdom forward. And you know, when we think about missionaries, for instance, those that are in the global realm, we have a lot of missionaries that we support. We have a lot of missionaries that we, that we keep track of, that we try to invest in. So I hope that you know, if you don't have those different outlets where you're seeing how God is moving in bigger ways across this region, I, I pray that you can find some of those because it helps to take ourselves out of our own little worlds and realize how big God is and how big, how big and great the mission that is before us is. So today, as we finish up the book of Colossians, we're going to be focusing on how the new self impacts the church in terms of being on a team, a team that carries forward the mission of God. So our emphasis is going to be on how that should impact. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, and I invite you to stand as we read God's word this morning. Colossians 4, I'm going to begin in verse 7 today. It 
Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, excuse me, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you're faithful, that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember the chains. Grace be with you. Father, as we go to your word today, I just ask that you would give us clear understanding, that you would help us to have open hearts and minds to see your truths. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be seated. All right. So, the end of a letter or the end of a book is usually one of the hardest passages for me to organize some concrete thoughts on or to really kind of understand maybe some of the principles or the points that the author is saying. Kind of reminds me sometimes of going through the book of Proverbs, one chapter at a time. You know, aside from the first 10 or so chapters where it's talking about wisdom and folly, you have a lot of wonderful adages. You have a lot of wisdom literature that's in there, but a lot of times it's just maybe a verse or two that might be connected. So you have a lot of random thoughts that go along with it. So it makes it difficult to find good sections or chunks to study. And you know, I find that at the end of the letters, you have a lot of the same patterns that can be seen. Um, the next book in, our, in the Bible is First Thessalonians. If you want to turn over to the end of that, um, just using this as a example, you see the final instructions beginning in verse 12. And you can just kind of peruse through that list. Now, I always, it's just me, but I've always envisioned Paul kind of writing these verses. Maybe it's like at the very bottom of the page and you don't have like endless supplies of paper in this time. So he's just trying to, to cram in his final thoughts because there's not a lot of description anymore. There's like two word sentences. He's just trying to get all of these final thoughts out. Or maybe it's like, you know, a, a test administrator saying, okay, you got one minute left. And you're just trying to cram in and write as much as you can in this last bit. That's kind of the way I've always anticipated this uh, or looked at passages like this. And it's hard to find those points. It's hard to find um, continuity even within these types of passages to where it might make it seem like, okay, there's just a lot of good one-liners in here, but it's really easy to read over. 
You know, and when we look at the end of Thessalonians, there's parts that we hit, for sure, that we hit hard. You know, you, you have that, that part about, you know, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. We like that portion. We'll preach on that portion. But you go down a few verses. How often do we preach on this command to greet your holy brothers with a kiss? I mean, that's, that's cultural. That's, that's, that's for that part. You know, again, so we can look over some of these instructions because they might seem to be a little disjointed. They might seem to be a little disconnected. But, you know, again, a lot of the end of the letters are written in similar ways, and they're done so for a variety of reasons. When we go back to the book of Colossians and we look at this end, we see a large list of names, Right? We see a lot of people that are being named. Some of these names the church may have known. Others, maybe they're hearing about for the first time. And we also see one interesting connection uh, to the members of this community. So we look at these names and we think, okay, why is Paul doing this? Why is he writing it in this way? I think that there's two reasons. Uh, the first reason, I think, is within the context of the whole letter, he has been combating false teaching. Right? He is talking about false teaching. He's talking about proper doctrine. He's talking about how to live out their faith. So one way that we can look at this section is to see how the readers would understand that they could be bonded a little bit closer together to this group of names that Paul is suggesting. You know, He is giving these uh, trusted names. I trust these people with the word of God as a way to combat the false teaching that's going on. So again, one of his goals could be um, to address those false teachers by giving those names of those that he trusts. Now, as he has these fellow believers who at this point in time are on the straight and narrow, does that mean that they'll always continue on in the straight and narrow? No. You know, you look at through this list of names, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, it's believed to be the John Mark that causes the sharp division in Acts chapter 15. Demas, uh, we see in First Timothy, deserts Paul. So there's different times where at least at this time he is giving this list of men that they can rally around, that he is recommending, that you know, he's saying that they're praying for you, they're saying hello, they're greeting you, welcome them if they come into your community. You know, but when we think about lists of people that, yeah, I like this person, or I trust this person, you know, that's always kind of a snapshot in time, isn't it? Because other than Jesus, nobody's perfect. People are going to fail. People are going to falter. And if you've been in the church long enough, you have probably can name a list of names of Christian leaders that have failed in some way or another, that have fallen out of grace, that maybe disappoint us or don't live up to our expectations. Now, part of that, I think, is on us because we tend to elevate these leaders to unattainable standards. We expect them to always be right, to always be on, to do the right things, to show perfect self-sacrificing love, to have never-ending patience, to have gracious speech always. And we just tend to expect all of these things, forgetting the fact that they're men. They're human. They can falter. Are they guides? Are they shepherds? Sure. But our hope and our faith has to be in Christ alone. And we always have to remember that. You know, we need to look at them with a, a healthy view that they are shepherds. They are there to guide um, the body 
but we cannot blindly follow just them. Many times in churches, people will come because of a pastor, because of a certain teaching. While that is just, is just you know, strikes a chord with my humility, at the same time, that has to be transferred to Christ. To where as a guide, my goal is to shepherd you to be drawn closer to him. And, you know, we need to understand, as Paul has been teaching, his desire for this body is to understand all spiritual wisdom and walk in a way that is worthy of the grace that they have in Christ. This is the charge that he has given to this body. Um, so the first reason, again, that I think that he has given this list of names is to combat the false teaching that is going on. And he's giving this list of names of people that they can trust at this point in time with the gospel message to help guide them. The second reason I think Paul is writing the end of the letter like this um, is to help the people realize that they're on a team. Now when we think of teams, this would actually be perfect to have the game up because I'm gonna talk about the various teams that we can think of. You know, you could think of professional sports teams. You can think of work teams. You can think of quiz teams or worship teams or dodgeball teams. Now, when you're picking out these teams, who do you want to be on your team? I think that answer changes based on the type of team that you're going to be on, doesn't it? When we think about teams, um, you know, think about, since it's football season, I'll, I'll use this as an example. Yeah, on a football team or in a game, you have 11 players on each side of the ball. Each player has a different position. Each player has a different role that they must do. And they, they need to do it well for the success of the teams. Now, many times a, a player can have a star player, or a team can have a star player, somebody that really stands out. But sometimes that player is not a team player. They're more of a prima donna. They're thinking only of themselves. It's all about them. Saw an interesting quote this week. It said, you find out a lot about a player in terms of their team mentality based on what they do when they don't have the ball. You know, when they don't have the spotlight, when the limelight's not on them, are they still going and doing what they need to do and playing their role even though they might not have everything on them? Do they support the other players? Is, is, there, um, is there a team mentality or is everything about them? You know, I saw another interesting quote from T.S. Eliot in the play, The Cocktail Party says, half of the harm that is done in this world is due to people who want to feel important. They don't mean to do harm, but the harm does not interest them, nor do they see it. Or they justify it because they are so absorbed in the endless struggle to think well of themselves. You know, I think that we could see this type of attitude in the sports world today, to where people are doing things or they want that attention in order to get paid. You know, they, they're all about the money to where that is their foundation. That's what is precious to them. But in contrast, you look and see what Paul is doing here at the end of Colossians, where he is encouraging and he is dropping all of these other people's names. I mean, here you have Paul, who many of us think of as a super apostle. Like, he's a superstar in the faith. But yet he is encouraging and he is building up all of these other people. He is lifting them up in order to, as a team, raise up the name of Christ above all other names. 
because they are on or running towards the same goal. Now, when we look at this list of people, most of these people we don't have a ton of information on. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's only written here, and, and we have to go all based off of what Paul is saying about them. You have Tychicus, who travels with Onesimus to come back to Colossae. Now, next week, we're going to go over Philemon, um, because it's kind of one of those things that goes hand-in-hand hand with um, Colossians. It is believed that Tychicus had the letter of Philemon to deliver to him at this time as he is delivering this letter to the Colossians as well. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper because Onesimus was Philemon's slave before, but now he is a brother in Christ. Um, So Tychicus is charged to report to the church about all of the people that are around Paul, about things that are going on in the broader church, and he is going to read this letter. He also has a letter to the Laodiceans, and he's going to read their letter as well. It's, some believe that he also had the letter to the Ephesians at this time. So he could have had up to about four letters that he is delivering from Paul to the local churches. And it was common practice that they would share these letters back and forth. Now, we don't have the letter to the Laodiceans, which I would love to read because I'm sure it was pretty spicy. You look at what, he says, what John says in Revelation about the church of Laodicea, how they are lukewarm. And God just wants to spit them out of his mouth. You think about what Paul would be addressing to that type of a body. Again, but we don't have that letter. Um, The next three names that are given are all Jewish Christians. You have Jesus, Justice. He is only mentioned here in the New Testament. Now, there are other Justices, um, but they're associated with different first names. You have Mark, which again... Um, he's mentioned in Acts 12, 13, and 15. By tradition, it's also believed this is the Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. You have Aristarchus, who came from Thessalonica. He was with Paul in Ephesus. He then follows Paul on to Rome. So he's with him in ministry. So you have these three men that are Jewish Christians. Now, I think that he mentions very specifically, that these are men from the circumcision. Okay, he does this, I think, to show that even in this letter, as he has just talked about Judaizers, as he has just talked about all of these other Jewish Christians that are teaching false things, he is showing that these three men, at least uh, these three, are are united in Christ. They are, uh, there's equality in Christ within the ministry to understand that, you know, it's not all Jewish Christians that you have to watch out for. And I think what this does is it takes faith down to an individual level. Because so many times we can just write off all kinds of groups of people just because they're associated with this particular name or this particular label. You know, but here, Paul takes it down to an individual level to, to stand up for these men who are Jewish Christians and faithful with the word of God. That they can trust what they're going to be saying. You know, we need to understand how our faith needs to be genuine and humble, uh, not practiced out of fear of certain groups of people, but rather solely founded in the word of God, understanding what that means for us today. He follows up those three with three names of Gentile backgrounds. Again, kind of showing a diversity of backgrounds, but unity in Christ. Epaphras 
he is mentioned quite a bit in the New Testament. We see Paul writing about him a lot. Uh, so we probably know the most about him. And within this passage, he is the only one that kind of stands out in terms of receiving praise from Paul. And you see what he has been praised for, or what stands out about him, is his fervent devotion to a prayer ministry. Kind of what we talked about last week. That even if Epaphras isn't there with the Colossians, he is fervently praying for them. Um, understanding that battle and prayer that must be taken. Um, so again, it kind of goes back to that teammate mate mentality to what do you do when you don't have the ball? You know, when the fame is not on you, when the acclamation is not on you, when you're not getting the praise, when it's only God who sees what you're doing, do you still do it? Do you have integrity in your faith to continue to walk the way that God has you walking? To where Jesus is the center of that ministry. Then you have Luke, the doctor. Um, Obviously, he wrote his gospel in the book of Acts. So it's believed that he's following Paul around now to record the events of Paul's missionary journeys. Um, Also, very practically, possibly taking care of Paul as a doctor through this time. And then Demas, who we've already mentioned, would leave Paul's side later on. Now near the end, Paul also mentioned a couple other people around the churches. Nympha, um, she was probably the hostess in Laodicea, so the church gathered in her home. And then Archippus, um, most probably Philemon's son, who Paul is writing to, to encourage in ministry, whatever that ministry might have been. It's, some believe that he was the pastor of that local church or he was the one that was leading that local church. Um, But for whatever it is, Paul just sends us encouragement to fulfill the ministry that has been given in the Lord. So we see how there's this team of people that are surrounding Paul and the ministries that they have a hand in, and then this last bit of encouragement for those in the local church body, listing out these servants with an emphasis of prayer and leadership. And we, we see how Paul is recognizing this team, and we think about this for ourselves for a little bit. You know, we think about our own goals for ministry. How are we attaining those goals? Because as we have a church body that supports one another, um, it happens in various ways. You know, you look at a normal church service, for instance, and the things that go on, whether it's behind the scenes or not behind the scenes. You know, as I come up here, I'm more of the vocal leader um, within this body, but I could not do this by myself. You know, when we think about what happens here, we have so many other moving parts on a Sunday. From our elders, uh, to our communion stewards, to our worship team, to our audiovisual team, to the nursery team, to hospitality and greeting new people that come in, to the cleaning that happens beforehand, where each member can be engaged in the service time. You know, we have various studies and Uh, programs that run through the week, whether that's youth or Bible studies. We have a lot of leaders for Sunday school, where again, it's designed to build up the body and draw each other closer to Christ. You know, when we think about how we are equipping one another, how we are encouraging one another, it is a lot of times for the purposes uh, of our own growth, but also to go out and be the hands and feet of Christ in our workplaces, in our families, where we're taking the gospel message wherever we're going. You know, and within this body, we've had a strong history of rallying around each other in support. Whether that's as 
tragic things happen or as diagnoses come around, we, we support um, one another as needs are known. It's an important thing, knowing the needs, but then also being able to receive that benevolence, receive that support is equally important. You know, and we, we've worked at, dis, at discipling one another through the various um, programs, through the various ministries, again, trying to help each other grow uh, in Christ. And we've been working at or growing in more of the individual basis to come alongside and mentor, to help bring up people in the faith. You know, kind of a lot of what we talked about or saw in the video this morning with Ken Ham. Understanding the generational gaps, understanding that our youth, our, our college age kids are out there in the world and might not have the same convictions or they're being attacked or they're being bombarded in a lot of different ways. Well, we need to support them in a lot of different ways as older and wiser, more mature Christians can come alongside and mentor and disciple to help bring them up in different ways. So again, we're, we're growing in that accountability and that encouragement, but that's just kind of a, a mission or goal that we have. Now, when we look at the missionaries that we support, the different ministries that are local, regional, or global, we hear periodic updates um, to cover some of those happenings and to see how God is moving in those different environments. Um, they send out newsletters or they send out monthly emails. And if you're not on those lists, I encourage you to get on those lists because as we support them financially and through our prayer life, it gives us more up-to-date information of what we can be praying for and how God is moving in their, their lives. You know, we don't always read out uh, the updates, but as I get different newsletters, I put them on the back table and you're more than welcome to look at those things. But this morning, um, I'd like to share with you kind of what's been going on in their worlds so that we can continue to lift them up in prayer, understanding the team that we're on that we support as a body. So starting with Deaf Missions, um, this has kind of been on the back table for a while. Um, they send out quarterly updates in terms of what they've been doing. Um, Matt and Betty, uh, that, who attend the church every now and then, Matt works for Deaf Missions, and currently he is in Utah. They have been working on a project to make something like a Jesus film or like The Chosen for the deaf community. And this summer they did a lot of filming locally and down in Texas, and right now he's driving by himself um, with a lot of set props and costume designs and things like that. And he's gonna spend the next few weeks in Utah and then go to California. So he'll be away from home for about three weeks. So again, send some encouragement to drop him a text to say that you're praying for him and what he's doing or for Betty and keeping track of the kids uh, through this time. Uh, the Albrights are the next ones. Serving in Guinea, we get a lot of different updates from them um, that are, or at least I do, for their prayer requests and needs. They do a lot of soul care ministry within some African cultures facing a lot of the demonic things that are there. Uh, they are very vocal in the, the local CMA split that happened there because one branch brought in different witchcraft uh, things into the practices. So there was a split there and they're still communicating to try to find some reconciliation. 
and then they just sent out a update on the Guinea ag agro-pasture project. And it says, we're so excited about what is happening in the GAP project. We have three agricultural specialists on our team. We are working towards opening a new center in Fauta, which is part of the upcountry, and partnering with a church for one on the coast. The conference center is completed, and Pastor Jeremy is teaching regular seminars on farming, complete with follow-up visits. Pastor Jeremy has been invited to teach development from a biblical perspective at several conferences. The VET Center is getting ready to open, and we now have a GAP newsletter that will keep you better informed about what's been going on with that project. If you're interested in receiving, please subscribe to this link, and they have a couple of different pictures. Um, Stephen reached out to me this week to let me know that they're going to be on home assignment this February, and they're looking at some times where they can come and speak to the church. However, because of their schedule, it probably wouldn't be on a Sunday. So they're looking at possibly a Thursday, Friday, or a Saturday night, kind of doing a potluck and giving updates for you all as well as we partner with them. Um, Dudu and Nimini, uh, they're really good about doing quarterly updates. Um, again, um, introduced to them through Sherry as she had worked with them. Um, and just this week, Dudu sent out his update. Uh, let's see, he says, We greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you very much for your faithful support and prayers for us. God bless you all. Um, we are sending you our th quarter three ministry report. Sorry for the delay. Um, translation work that Dudu is working on. The community testing of the book of Ruth was completed and the exegesis of the book of Esther was done, not the translation yet. For the counseling aspect of what they do, it says we continue to receive people in our house for Bible study and biblical counseling when needed. Last week, Abdullah uh, had a talk with a barren couple and the need for accurate scriptures and words and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit were given. He used the examples of Sarah and Abraham and then a couple of the local people that also struggled with barrenness. Um, Abdullah is, was asked by the National President of Youth to follow up a new, with a new church that has been established in a village after their outreach. Um, they are helping as they can. Uh, they cannot go to every Sunday for services full time but there are two believers and two ladies that were trained to do the follow-up. So for prayers, continue to pray for Dudu as he resumes the translations of Second Kings and hoping to finish that. And then Nimini will be going on vacation for the month of November to visit her daughter who's expecting her first baby early in November. So they're gonna be grandparents for the first time and that's very exciting for them. Um, and they are praising God for reconciliation of one couple who suffered bitterness and much sorrow. And that uh, Abdullah is recovering from the severe malaria over the summer. So still pray for total relief and strength to return for that. So again, I'll set this out on the back table as well. For the whites, um, I'll just say the whites because they're also in a closed access type of country. Um, he shares some different stories as they transition. 
So some conversations that he has been having lately that has been teaching him. Am I a kid or a grown-up? My two-and-a-half-year-old daughter asks me. You're a kid, I reply. I am a kid, she excitedly repeats back and then follows with, Daddy is a grown-up. Yes, that is right. She is at an age where she is still trying to figure out the world around her, the categories and the roles that exist therein, and where she fits into all of it. Her inquiries remind me a lot of the ways that I felt over the last 17 months in a new place, trying to figure out who I am here and where I belong, where I can connect. The city that we live in holds a huge amount of diversity as well as a complex social hierarchy. People come here from all over the country for education, work, and just general opportunity. And everyone seems to know exactly where they f and others fit inside this complex social system. Moving here has felt like being dropped into a game, one in which I don't know the rules, nor did I recognize the board. Was it even a board? Or perhaps a deck of cards laid out and that's constantly being shuffled and relayed, so it seemed. I've been surprised at how often I've felt like I don't even know who I am or how I used to be when faced with navigating this new landscape. However, my quest to understand myself again and where I fit here has been one of searching for has not been one of searching for approval or acceptance or even value those things i've already obtained in christ and indeed have clung to him more deeply than ever before as all the rest of my identity has been stripped away here rather my search for a place has been one of understanding of how how i fit into the greater social structures here so i can wisely and winsomely love my neighbor well so that when i can communicate or act in a way that is culturally normative, or perhaps even more when it is not, that I will know how it might land, or better understand the meaning of what will be understood. All this we seek to do in the name on which we stand and be made, and be made famous in this place. And so here, here we are 17 months in. In some ways we have found our footing and in many ways still asking, am I a kid or a grown up? some requests that they have. Um, they have been able to rest well over the summer and commune with the father with other group of individuals in a retreat, and they came back refreshed and bonded, ready for that next season ahead. School is back in session. Um, they're grateful for two schools for the big kids and also the progress that the dad is making in his PhD while he's there. One year of learning the language has brought us to a highly functional place in the city and we're comfortable in many ways with this new language. On the other hand, the more we know, the more we realize we still have a lot to learn. So we ask that we continue to can grow in the culture and language understanding and ability, especially as it pertains to connecting to issues of the heart in our friendships. And we ask that our speaking would grow to closer match our understanding and our ability. And then they give some different pictures as well of things that are going on. And I'm reaching out to them to try to do a, a video of some sort where they can give us an update as we can highlight and emphasize what they're going on. Um, camp Rivercrest, kind of a local camp that we support. Uh, registration is now open for next summer if you're interested in doing that. There is a donor benefit dinner next Sunday. If you are interested in attending that, I'm not sure, I think it's adult only um, they had asked me to go, but I'm not able to next Sunday. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can see me 
um, by Tuesday to have to have that registration in. But it's a wonderful camp experience, um, and they give some different numbers in the different newsletters that they send out, how the summer things had gone, and what they're planning for in the future. And then also with Assure. So with these especially, we get these newsletters often, and they're set out on the back table. So with Assure, uh, again, we continue to support them monthly, and then we also support their banquet, um, filling up three tables again last year. It was a wonderful time to hear Seth Dillon speak and just the impact that the gospel message can have in different ways, um, and also being able to celebrate even the closing of the Planned Parenthood in Council Bluffs yesterday. So just, again, seeing how the different ministries that we support and impact puts us on a team in a, in a greater way to advance the gospel message. Um, so understanding the team that we're on as, as a body, but also regionally, also globally, helps us to understand how great God is. And when we look at the close of this letter, Paul comments that he is writing this with his own hand, writing to verify who these words are coming for, from. You know, many times he would have a secretary perhaps write some of these letters for him as he is chained, as he is ministering to others as well. So he is hoping to bring them some encouragement by saying that, you know what, I'm writing this to you with my own hand. I'm writing this to you. I'm saying this to you. It's not coming from somebody else. It is from me. And you look at how he finished finishes this letter in a bookend style. You know, you go back to the salutation in the very beginning of chapter one as he is praying for grace to be with you. He finishes it in the same way, understanding that again, it is about lifting up Christ, not himself, not the ministries, but about Christ. So when we look at this book as a whole, we wanna remember who we are in Christ, who is our Lord and Savior that we're asked to seek all spiritual wisdom so as to walk in a way that is worthy of the grace that we've received, that we wanna be on guard and look out for false prophets, false teachers, and we wanna stick closely to the word of truth, which is found in the Bible. That is our foundation. We wanna put off the old self through the power of the Holy Spirit in the, sanctifying, in the sanctification process, put on the new self as the ambassadors for Christ, honoring him in everything that we say and do because it is for his glory and not our own. We wanna build one another up in the faith and encourage each other and hold each other accountable to walk the walk that we need to. You know, when we're going into the world, we are emphasizing to look for those open doors to share the gospel message to represent Christ well. And in, in the words of Paul, may the grace of God be with each one of you today and this week. Let's pray. Father, as we finish up this study in Colossians, I want to thank you for just the emphasis that you have showed us for the truth that has been talked about over the past months. And Lord, as we contemplate these things, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to encourage us with your truth, that we could continue to grow closer to one another, to encourage one another, to build each other up in the faith. Lord, as we have questions, as we have struggles, Lord, help us to, to lean on one another. Lord, we continue to pray for open doors and opportunities to witness for you, to give our testimonies, 
to plant seeds, to water, and to harvest. Lord, we thank you for how you have called us. We thank you for your son who has saved us through the cross and rising from the dead. Lord, may we take the salvation that we have received and use it to be a blessing to those that we interact with each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.